From time to time on Living Truth Radio, we have other pastors who share from the Word of God. And one of the voices that you'll hear from time to time is Pastor Chris Van Hook. Pastor Chris has a great insight into the Word of God. He teaches the Word of God, writes devotions, writes books, and he is going to be teaching us on today's broadcast. So here's Pastor Chris. Tune on in and tell a friend. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We're going to continue in our uh, series in Titus. Uh, again, if you're new here, we teach uh, verse by verse through the, the books of the Bible, and we're in Titus. Uh, our series name here is Grace and Godliness, uh, the overall theme of the book of Titus here. But this particular message this morning has a subtitle. It has a subtitle. You might even want to write it down. And the subtitle for these passages this morning is this. If the Cretan shoe fits. If the Cretan shoe fits. And I think you'll see uh, where we're going with that in a little bit here. But we're going to read in Titus 2, uh, verses 1 through 10 this morning. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Titus 2. Starting in verse 1, uh, we're going to get through verse 10 today, and you might be going, oh, thank goodness, it's going to be short message, sorry. <laughs> These 10 verses are packed, they're packed full, and they're packed full of things that we need to hear from the Word of God. So would you pray with me one more time before we start? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, and I pray, God, as we have read your Word, and now as we continue to study your Word, God that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will lead us and guide us and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we get into chapter 2 of Titus, we, we want to think back a little bit into chapter 1, how we ended off. And I, I don't know how Pastor Michael came up with such a positive message last week with the ending of that chapter. Remember, it spoke about Cretans and what they were like. They were lazy, they were liars, uh, all these terrible things. And beyond that, he spoke of these false teachers, and chapter 1 really had to do with the false teaching and the false teachers, especially those that were called the Judaizers, those that were trying to bring people who were saved back to the law. And there were two statements made in there that I want us to remember going into chapter 2. Uh, in Titus 1, 10 and 11, uh, he said, There are many rebellious people, mere talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. That's the Judaizers. And then he says in verse 11, something really interesting we didn't get to um, get into too much, and it was this. They must be silenced because they were ruining households. Remember, Pastor Michael taught us that. They must be silenced. Well, I don't know about you, but that brought a question into my mind. How are they to be silenced? I mean, really, we're, was Paul saying what we need to do is, you know, go throw a lasso around these people, go take them in, lock them up, put muzzles on them? Uh, you know, if we tried to do that today, well, I shouldn't say that. We're supposed to have free speech today, but we don't always seem to have it today, do we? Maybe they do want to lasso us and lock us up, especially as Christians, and throw us in jail and put the muzzle on us. But that wasn't what Paul had in mind. And so we get into verse 1 of chapter 2. This is how you're going to silence those false teachers. 
And he says in verse 1, and by the way, I'm going to read from the neatly inspired version this morning, the NIV. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. See, Paul isn't saying you silence them by telling them they can't speak. What he's saying is, Titus, I want you to silence these people by teaching what is in accord with sound doctrine. Now, as Pastor Michael has already explained to us, the word sound means healthy, healthy doctrine. It's healthy because it's true and it's good. Now, when you hear the word doctrine, what do you, what do you think about first? You know, some of you may think doctrine, okay, you know, the great doctrines of theology such as the triune nature of, of God, that's one of the great doctrines of Christianity. Or maybe the great doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone and the teaching that goes with that. Or some of you may be thinking of, wow, that doctrine of justification by the atoning work done on the cross for us. Or maybe your mind, and especially if you were here with us Tuesday night at Truth Academy, your mind goes to the doctrines of eschatology and all of those great things that we learned there. But Paul is going to teach us something here that's very important. And he's going to teach us that teaching healthy doctrine is more than just an academic endeavor. He says, teach that which is in accord with sound doctrine. And what he's going to do here is he's going to connect the fact that that sound doctrine is not just an academic exercise, but that sound doctrine is going to teach us and lead us into godly behavior. I shared that with the uh, Truth Academy class on Tuesday night. You know, doctrine is not just there for doctrine's sake, even when we're studying the end times. It's there to lead us into godly behavior. Remember last week that Pastor Michael taught us a very important truth. He said, you know, in God's eyes, we cannot become more righteous than we are. Right? And we can't. We will never be more righteous in God's eyes in terms of our salvation than we are today. Or that when we were the very first day we came to the Lord. But Paul is teaching us here that we can add godliness or holiness so to speak. In 2 Peter 1.5, and you don't have to turn there. You can take a look at it later, or we should have it on the screen here for you. Is it up there? Hopefully we'll get there in a second. 2 Peter 1.5-7, he says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So this is what Peter wrote about adding to our faith, and it's going to be interesting as we go through here in Titus, and we're going to see so many similar terms. So let's remember, before we get into this, let's remember first what the people of Crete were like. We, we read that in first, uh, the first chapter of Titus, but I want you to, to get a little more background here. You know, Crete was a pretty large island, um, and at one time it boasted of a hundred cities. That was, that was big in that day. And remember, in that time and culture, it was all about the city. Remember, Rome dominated the world. It wasn't Italy that dominated the world. It was the city of Rome. And Crete was captured by Rome 
somewhere uh, in 68 to 66 BC. And so it was made a Roman province. And so the culture in that city, in the, in, in the, on that island, in all the cities of that island, the culture was Roman. It was very Roman. Their practices were Roman, and their gods were Roman. And Paul knew this well because he had visited Crete between his first and his second imprisonment in Rome. So he's very familiar with Cretan culture. And remember, there was an instruction that Paul had given to Titus in chapter 1, verse 5. He said, Titus, I want you to set things in order. I want you to set things in order. In other words, there's a lot of things going on in this culture, but we've got to set some things in, in order. So we know that these particular instructions were very tailor-made for the churches on Crete. However, whenever the Bible is teaching a specific group, it always has implications for us. Those, those passages are not there just to instruct where the group of people where the letter went, so to speak. So, this morning, if the Cretan shoe fits, if the Cretan shoe fits, let's wear it. Let's look at these specific instructions this morning that were given to these specific groups. And it's not only a specific group on Crete, but very specific groups within the church at Crete. So let's look at those and let's see what applies to us personally. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's apply those things to our lives that we see this morning. So moving on to verse 2. He says this, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Okay, the older men. Hmm. If the Cretan shoe fits, what can I say? I'm glad I don't have to uh, listen to this one, but, but some of you out there do. Uh, actually, uh, actually uh, a lot of the scholars and commentators that I read feel very strongly that this was about 60 years and older in this cultural sense here, uh, when they talked about older men. Um, but it's not, we're not told specifically, so again, if the shoe fits. Now, there's three things here at the very beginning that he brings up. Temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled. These really are things that should accompany all men as they grow older. It, it just fits for an older person, an older man in particular. But it seems that possibly this wasn't happening there in Crete, and that's why these specific instructions were there. So let's take a look at them. Temperate, the word temperate there, in the ESV it's translated sober-minded, and that's probably the best translation of this word, especially in this context. It actually means the opposite of intoxicated. It's a negative word. The word is actually literally the opposite of being intoxicated, literally by wine, but of course figuratively, we know that we can be intoxicated by many different things. And so it's the opposite of that. It's being sober-minded, not just being sober physically, but sober-minded. And it's possible that the older men in Crete, and as we will see in a little bit, the older women of Crete had real issues with addiction to wine in particular. And you know, this makes sense given the culture that they grew up in. Remember, it was a Roman culture and especially before they came to know the Lord. You see, in that culture, partying and drunkenness that went along with uh, the partying was very rampant. 
And I would say to us, if the Cretan shoe fits in America today, let's wear it. And the truth of the matter is, I know that that's true. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. We have a problem here in America today. I taught health for 37 years in high school. I know this to be a fact, but I'm going to just share with you. And again, we're not going to make this whole message in one particular area because there's a lot of areas we're going to cover, but I think some things that might open our eyes a little bit. Here in a 2015 survey on drug use and health, uh, we're told that 86.4% of people 18 or older reported that they drank alcohol at some point in their lifetime. 70.1% reported they drank in the past year, and 56% reported they drank in the past month. Therefore, the, the use is, is there. Now let's go a little further. 26.9% of the people, 18 or older, reported that they had engaged in binge drinking in the past month. 26.9%. That's over one-fourth of the people in America. 7% reported that they engaged in heavy alcohol use in the past month. In adults, 15.1 million adults ages 18 and older, that's 6.2% of that group, had what's called AUD. AUD is the new term, uh, alcohol use disorder. In other words, they're alcoholics. This includes 9.8 million men. Boy, did Creed have a problem or does America have a problem? About 1.3 million adults received treatment for AUD at a, at a specialized facility, and that's only people that came in. Um, I, I could go on and on, just one more quick one here. An estimated 88,000 people die from alcohol-related causes annually, making alcohol the fourth leading preventable cause of death in the United States. And of course, we know, uh, and I also taught driver ed, uh, the amount of uh, alcohol-related fatalities. Uh, in 2014, almost 10,000 deaths in America occurred from that. So if the Cretan shoe fits, and I'm not saying here in this room, but what I'm saying is it's an overall problem here in America, and we would do well to recognize that. Now, of course, we know what the Bible says, and Pastor Michael taught about it. We know that the Bible says that you're not to be addicted to wine. It does not say that you cannot have a drink as a Christian. I don't even want to go there. I'm so tired of these silly arguments we have. But we have to recognize that it was an issue here in Crete. It's an issue here in America. And we need to look at it realistically and say, is it an issue for me here as an older man in particular who Paul is speaking to? But as I said, the real meaning of this word goes even deeper than that. It's not just be, uh, about being controlled by a chemical substance. We can be controlled in our mind by many, many things, can we not? How many of us are so obsessed with sports 
that we decide, oh, uh, on Sunday, I, I got to see the game. I don't really need to go to church today. Um, I have to say personally how easy it is for me. I know when I was younger, I, I have to say we've had this discussion with, uh, with Joe Kelly a lot here. I was obsessed with, with lifting weights at a period in my life. I know you can't tell anymore, but, <laughs> but there was a time, and, and it didn't matter where I was. I had to go find a place to lift. I had some goals in mind, but I got obsessed with it. There are people today that are obsessed with fitness, right? Um, those things can control our mind. Uh, okay, ladies, let, let's throw shopping out there. Some of you are obsessed with shopping. And I know some of you men are too, okay? We can get, and our mind always goes back to those things. And they begin to control our mind. And this is what Paul is speaking about here. We're to be sober-minded to not have other things controlling our mind. And, you know, Paul's very consistent in drawing comparisons. And so, you know, back in when, when, when he said, don't be drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but instead be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. He always makes comparisons to let us know what it is he's really trying to teach us. He makes comparisons. So he does that here. And when a man is sober-minded, we see these other traits that we spoke about, worthy of respect. It's an interesting uh, word. It's semnos in the Greek. Uh, it can mean venerable, it can mean honorable. Uh, Kittle, who is a great Greek scholar, says it means serious and worthy of respect. And then the next one we see there is self-controlled. And interesting, it's not the same word used in Galatians uh, for um, self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a different word used here. It's used in 1 Timothy 3.2. It means prudent, sensible, not given to frivolity. And we'll see that used a couple more times here in Titus as well. Not given to frivolity. I think that's a good word. So again, these are things really that any older man, we should see that happening in your life as you get a little more mature. But apparently it wasn't happening on Crete the way it should be. And so you begin to see a picture here uh, forming of what an older man's life should look like. And especially we're talking here an older man who is a believer in Jesus Christ. But then Paul gives three more godly traits or virtues here that Titus should be teaching the older men about. I'm going to give you the Greek words. He says you should be sound or healthy in pistei, which is faith. And faith, of course, we know is interchangeable with the word trust. So he's saying an older man should be sound in his faith in God and in his trust in God. And of course... You should, if you're growing in the Lord and you've had a longer period of time to walk with Him. The next one is agape. Uh, the word that we find in 1 Corinthians 13 and all throughout the New Testament, but the picture of agape is love, and love is described in that chapter. I always encourage people, read it, read it, read it, read it. Know what love is, what true love is, not the love we see uh, spoken about in the pictures that we see today, the movies and the songs we hear, true agape love, described in 1 Corinthians 13, an older man, that should be part of the character he's developing. True, selfless, agape love. And then the third one is hupamone. Hupamone, it means perseverance, steadfastness, or I like this last one, patient endurance. Yeah, there's a difference between endurance and patient endurance, isn't there? 
We can endure a lot of things. We can make it through. But that doesn't mean we're being patient with it. And in an older person, you know, I have found this to be true. Uh, I find that older men tend to go one way or the other when they, as they get older. They tend to either get more impatient, and you know what I'm talking about. It's that person you might call, what a cranky old man. You know, and especially when they're around younger people, they can't handle it. And they're very impatient. But I've seen the other side too. And that is an older man who gets infinitely more patient. And I think he does that because he realizes what a waste of time to be like that. And, you know, when you get to be, my wife's going to hate it because I always say this, but when you get to be my age, the truth is you know you really, unless God provides some kind of miracle, you have less years ahead of you on this earth than you have behind you. And you start to think about that and you go, why am I going to waste my time getting all uptight and all upset about these things? It's not worth it. Um, But I want you to understand that really and truly, These last three we spoke about are characteristics that you're going to gain only by one thing, and that is to have a close relationship with Jesus and relying upon the Holy Spirit, because I don't care how mature we think we get, there's going to be times when we're going to lose that patience, when we're not going to have that selfless love unless we're being led and guided by the Holy Spirit because of our relationship with Jesus. I would say that these three things are much more caught than they are taught. Amen? I could stand up here and tell you for days on end about what you should do, but without that relationship with Jesus, they won't happen. And I do believe that if a man is a a believer in Christ, if he's dedicated to his walk with Christ, he spends time with Christ, he's certainly going to grow in his faith and his trust in God, and he's certainly going to grow in his love, and he's certainly going to grow in his patience. Well, verse 3. He says, likewise, in the same way as you would share with older men, that's what he means, likewise, Titus, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Okay, older women, there is no way I'm going there. No. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) Again, the scholars would say they believe that this refers to women who are are done really raising their children. Um, Again, we don't know that. And it's not there specific, and I think it's good that it's not, because we need to look at ourselves and say, if the Cretan shoe fits, that's up to you. So the first quality that we see here, this is interesting. The first word that's used here is reverent. Reverent. Now, when we think of reverence, I think sometimes we have a mistaken idea of reverence. It seems to be that we think reverence is all about being very stoic, very quiet, and even sometimes ritualistic in our, in our worship, that that's real reverence toward the Lord. Well, I, I certainly believe that there is a time and place for very quiet worship, for, for a little bit being stoic and reflective, but that's really not what this word means. It's interesting, the word here is hiero prepaeus in Greek, and it's only used this very time in the New Testament. It's a combination of words, hieros, which means sacred, and we know sacred means set apart to God. So hieros, set apart to God, and prepo is the other 
um, half of the word, and it means be conspicuous. So let's put that together. Now, sometimes you put two Greek words together and it doesn't work right. But in this particular case, it works absolutely perfectly to describe the meaning. Sacred, set apart, and be conspicuous about it. That's what it means to have reverence. In other words, you want to live in a way that's set apart to God, and it should be in a way that other people can actually see it. It's not to be hidden away. It's a life of being set apart to God that when you walk around, people will look at you and go, this is a person who who lives their life for God. That's what this reverence means here. 1 Timothy 2.9. 1 Timothy 2.9 says this, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls. And by the way, this doesn't mean you can't wear jewelry or makeup or any of this other stuff. It's a comparison. Verse 10, but instead of that being your mindset, your mindset should be verse 10, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. It's a comparison. It's not that you can't dress up. It's not. I hope you do, and I hope you look nice. But I hope even more that your reverence is shown in your good deeds appropriate for one who professes to worship God. Welcome, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael Lance. Titus chapter 2, the qualities of a sound church. Now, we've heard the term sound kicked around a few times, but biblically, can you briefly explain what a sound church means? We've talked about that word sound, and it does mean healthy. So we talk about a healthy church, the opposite of healthy is unhealthy. How do you determine what is healthy and unhealthy? You got to kind of dig a little bit. You got to kind of listen. You know, if I went into the doctor and the doctor um, said to me, how are you feeling? And I would describe how I'm feeling. Well, you know, this hurts and my stomach's bothering me. And what's he going to try to do? He's going to try to find out the cause of that unhealthiness. So if I'm fighting a cold or if I have a flu, he might give me something that's going to help that. So using that as a platform, Oscar, one has to ask themselves this. And and I'm going to address men for a second. You want your family to be in a healthy church. Why? Because where you fellowship does impact your walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. You're getting your teaching there. Your kids are being taught under that ministry, dot, 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 your wife, etc. So you want to make, make a healthy, sound decision. We talk about a sound decision, right? Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, Nine two eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona 
or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.